three students start fighting and one student pick up a gun and shot the other student during the fighting. Three students have been shot in the cafeteria. That was a recording from the Santa Fe Police Department that was released last Friday of a hoax school shooting report um, that had caused lockdowns and fear amongst parents and students. This week, on Wednesday, at approximately 9.23 a.m., the Estes Park Police Department received a report from an anonymous source that there would be an active shooter at the Estes Park High School, which was closed, luckily enough, due to weather. Officers responded immediately to the schools to clear the surrounding area and search. The Estes Valley Community Center was briefly locked down. Officers found no evidence to substantiate the report. Similar false claims occurred today, and really it's been happening for weeks now, for months even, um, all across the country. But yesterday, it occurred at several different schools along the front range, seeming to go in alphabetical order. What was dangerous about this more than anything is illustrated by the point that during its investigation at the Estes Park schools, an Estes Park police officer accidentally discharged one round into the floor at the elementary school. No one was injured. Other officers were in the building to assist, including officers from the National Park Service, Delamar County Sheriff's Office. There were no students or school district personnel present in the school at the time of the discharge. The police department is reviewing its response to this call and subsequent accidental discharge. This could have been a dramatically different story if the children at the elementary school were there including my own granddaughter, who up until just a few months ago was attending the Esses Park Elementary School. But we got lucky, and we should take that luck. This is an international issue that's been happening. Not only has it happened here in Colorado, but it's happened across the country. Um, we had reports in South Dakota and even up as far as Ontario, of schools getting shut down due to very similar tactics. And this is something, all you have to do is Google hoax school shooting and see that this has been an ongoing issue. These calls have led to massive evacuations, lockdowns, and police investigations, causing panic and anxiety among students, parents, and educators. We have to ask ourselves, what is, what, what is the impact of these hoax calls on students and teachers and the community at large, really? You know, I think, I think we need to, to think about what the potential consequences of such calls are and what steps can be taken to prevent them from happening in the future. Um, but we may not have that much we can really do. Um, the best information... I have been able to find comes from an NPR article that was published in, on October 24th of 2022 um, by Odette Youssef and Jenna McLaughlin, um, where they've really done an in-depth investigation into what has been happening with this, this swatting activity um, that 
has been happening to schools across the country. And I think really it begs the question when you really get into it, what what's the goal of this? What is the, the purpose of these? Is it to distract us? Is it just to cause chaos and fear amongst parents and children in America and, and elsewhere? But what we do find is that, that there's an actual pattern behind these calls. You know, authorities in Minnesota have said that according to this article, um, that it, it's really echoing what they saw in March and April when a caller falsely reported bombs at a school in several states. And, and NPR has obtained records that suggest that there may indeed be a connection. Audio from these springtime hoax bomb alerts sound markedly similar to the voice accent and narrative behind the recent active shooter calls um, that have happened in Virginia, Minnesota, Idaho, Ohio, and Florida. So we're going to listen to a couple of these Collins, and you can see for yourself how it seems to be connected in some way. There's at least some sort of plan happening, and it seems to be similar characters that are perpetrating these. Hello, hello. Hello, Bishop's hello. office. Hello, suspicious backpack has been left in the high school. Hello, Bilton High School, number 205. Hello, suspicious backpack has been left in the high school. Bilton High School, number 205. Inside the backpack, wires in one is covered by plastic yellow. Benton High School. Police Department. Feller. Hello, there is an, hello, there is an active shooter at Friendly High School. Hello. There is an active shooter at Friendly High School. 24 students got injured. Hello. Hello. Friendly High School. There is an active shooter. Hello. 24 students got injured at Friendly High School. And again, we're going to listen to the audio that came in last week to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I think you'll find it sounds very similar to the other two calls that we had just listened to. Three students started fighting and one student picked up a gun and shot the other student during the fighting. Three students have been shot in the cafeteria. Now, to be clear, the, uh, the official release from the Estes Park Police Department says that they received a report from an anonymous source that there would be an active shooter at the Estes Park High School. So we don't know if it was a voice or if it was a new tech system that they have or if it was a voice similar to this, but we know that this seems similar to a pattern because the calls made to Colorado were made in an alphabetical order, which seems to be one of the MOs of of whoever it is that's perpetrating these hoax calls. I want to add that the the first audio you heard in the most recent series was um, audio of a false bomb threat that took place on April 21st of 2022 in Bossier Parish, Louisiana. The second one you heard was audio of a false active shooter threat in Finlay, Ohio on September 23rd, 2022. And then the last one, and the one you heard at the beginning of the podcast, again, came from uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that was last week that that audio was released. So we're seeing some commonality happening in these reports. And, and I hope that the Estes Park Police Department will help us better understand this phenomenon by maybe releasing if they have the audio files that they they release the audio files so that we can hear and and hear it um 
but there was an investigation by the by the uh, sheriff's office and Bossier Parish Sheriff's Office in Louisiana, um, the one that was talking about the suspicious backpack. And the caller, who sounded like a grown man with a North African accent, claimed to be a student. Students were evacuated from the school. Um, the fire and first responders were were uh, sent out, just like we saw here. Um, and through an ap- open records request, NPR found that the call came from the Internet, or a VoIP, which is a voice over Internet protocol. They also found that the VoIP account was tied to an IP address in Ethiopia owned by Afrinic Network, and specifically to the Ethiopian state-owned phone and internet service called Ethio Telecom, which is based in Adias Ababa. On the day that the Bossier Parish received the call from the number, so too had 79 other places across Louisiana, Arizona, and New Mexico. So much as we saw yesterday, they they were hitting different areas. Um, NPR goes on to to do a full analysis of the numbers call logs between March 12th and April 21st, and um, they've got some some interesting snapshots of that tables of the information. But to summarize, during the the 40 day period, the VoIP number received or made 437 calls. And all of them were on just the days, the 10 days, that there was um, these calls into the school, these false swatting hoaxes of either explosive devices and backpacks or active shooters. Um, But this suggests that the phone number was really just created with the purpose of making these phone calls because 80% of that activity was just straight out going. Um, incoming traffic appeared to be mostly return dials from individuals or institutions that the, the VoIP user had called. Um, and there's a, a curious pattern that arises as well. More than three quarters of the calls placed were made on just three days, March 15th, April 5th, and April 21st. On those days, uh, the caller spent like six to eight hours just dialing and redialing these phone numbers, sometimes as few as four seconds between hanging up one call and dialing the next. And it reached 125 places. And this rapid-fire dialing seems to hold true here in Colorado. Again, it was a list um, of people or a list of schools in Colorado that, that went in alphabetical order. An NPR analysis last year found schools in 28 states were targeted by the same individuals. Um, and that most of the attacks, especially those that occur in these, these grouped areas, these clusters, right? They appear to be perpetrated by someone overseas, as we've seen with um, the in-depth research that NPR has done. Um, the perpetrator, perpetrators often attack groups of schools in the same state on the same day. The motives for these continued attacks, we really have no idea. But they do appear to be intent on causing mass panic. And according to the National Association of School Resource Officers, these false alarms of active assailants on school campuses are not a harmless prank, um, which, you know, you can easily see, um, because I know 
it really didn't grab us. I was not sure it did um, parents down in the valley in Boulder and, and elsewhere across the state to have this call come in because our kids were home safe with us. My kids were actually, it was my daughter who got a, a, a notification before I did um, about the event happening at the Estes Park High School. So really, um, you know, we're, we're not sure why they're doing this. Um, but part of that equation has got to be that they are looking to cause chaos and, and possibly, you know, have something happen like happened in Estes Park yesterday with the accidental gun discharge. And I can tell you that from participating in an active shooter drill at the Estes Park High School that was performed last year, um, and I'll put the link up to the video because I did a video covering it, it shows you how chaotic these events can be, um, even if it's just a drill. You really get a feel for just the, the the craziness that happens. So, you know, I certainly don't fault the officer. I mean, you, we, we maybe we need some more training um, that there was an actual discharge, but thank thank the gods that no one was there, no one was injured. So we got lucky. Um, but these these events create chaos, and Colorado is no stranger to mass school shootings. You know, we had the biggest. You know, that kind of kicked off this spate of school shootings with Columbine. You know, we all grew up with that. We know what it's like. Our children, this is now a part of their everyday life experience to wonder. You know, not only are they dealing with the the usual craziness of a high school experience, just, you know, finding your, your place in your community and bullying and, and harassment and everything else and trying to, to pass uh, your grades and and figure out where who you are, but now they have this, and it's become so commonplace that you know every other South Park episode now has a school shooting happening in the background because that is what's happening in our culture here. Now, according to reports, the first threat made to a school was Alamosa School District at eight twenty four a.m. It then continued with Aspen School District at 8.28. Two minutes later, at 8.30, and the Aurora School District was called. In addition to the threats, Denver's 911 uh, dispatch received a report of a threat at the FBI Denver office at 9 a.m. So it starts with Alamosa, and in rapid succession hits Aspen School District, Aurora School District, Boulder Valley School District, Brighton School District, Canyon City Schools, Denver 911, Durango School District, Inglewood School District, Estes Park School District, again at 9.23 a.m., according to this report, Gilbin County School District, Morgan County School District, and Roaring Fork School District. So, and and these kind of were broken up. Like in Alamosa, it was a middle school. In Aspen, it was a high school. In Aurora, it was a central. Boulder was a high school. Some were junior high, some were elementary. Um, so it, it appears that maybe they're calling directly into the schools or just reporting that the event's happening at these specific schools. Uh, obviously, we'll be have more information to kind of piece this together more and more. Um, but it really begs the question, what can be done? Um, 
And, uh, you know, when NPR was doing their big investigation, they actually reached out to the Ethio Telecom, where this was all originated, um, for comment, and as well as to the email address that was used to create the VoIP account that was used. And neither of those parties ever responded. Um, NPR called the VoIP number tied to the activity and reached the automated voicemail recording for the service carrier, a Canadian-based company called TextNow. Um, they go on to say that experts in VoIP and telephony fraud, as it's called, um, that the connection to TextNow is is not a surprise at all. For several years, um, uh, a guy named Fred Posner has been tracking call center scams, technical support scams, fake threatening calls from the IRS, and more in his spare time. He's a retired police officer out of Florida who's now a VoIP consultant. Um, and he says that oftentimes these numbers wind up being out of text now numbers. Um, he's been sending them to the text now company, sometimes tweeting about it, uh, pulling his hair out in frustration. Um, and, uh, he, he really, he sometimes hears back, but it's never fast enough. Um, text now is one of the many free or low cost internet based calling platforms, similar to like a zoom or, or, you know, it's mostly Zoom these days. Back in the day, it was Skype and whatnot, and WhatsApp is similar. Um, and they're they're easy to sign up for, needing just an email address. Um, and uh, it takes about a minute to gen- choose an area code and and create one of these numbers to make calls or place texts. So Captain Shannon Mack, who's an investigator of the boss here, Paris Sheriff's Office said they were able to quickly identify a Gmail account and registration IP address along with consistent IP address on the day that the, these threats came in and that they came out of Ethiopia. And there's a definitely a connection um, that the evidence that the caller was operating out of Ethiopia was clear. Um, the IP address tied to both the TextNow activity as well as the caller's Gmail account was all based out of that country. Now, she and other experts don't think it appears that the caller was using a virtual private network or a VPN to disguise their location. Um, so, yeah, and a VPN is generally going to change by itself, whether you log in or out, about every 30 seconds. So it jumps around. Um, so it appears that the people using this were not using like an onion skin router uh, like Tor. Um but that doesn't mean that the callers weren't using other hacking techniques to make it falsely appear that they were out of Ethiopia. Now, it's interesting to note that um, the same investigator did find a fair amount of compromised Ethio telecom IPs that are there on various markets like Genesis or and, and the Russian market. Um, I'm sorry, that was Kevin Hendricks who was saying that. Um, which, which are two online marketplaces on the dark net. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to know who the actual caller is behind these hoaxes. And it may be close to impossible to track down exactly where the callers are located and who they are. Um, but there are experts out there that are calling for additional regulations and safeguards that will allow VoIP providers to better detect fraudulent and abusive call schemes on their networks. Um, 
TextNow has made taken a major step, according to this. Uh, again, this is the NPR article that that I'm drawing from here. Um, was to ban the entire country of Ethiopia from use of its service to cut down a high amount of fraudulent activity. Um, but obviously, that may not be working um, if that happened previously, and we're seeing similar calls. So, you know, hackers are always going to find a way. And and really, the, the challenges are in the investigation. And what, what can we do about it? Because, you know, we can't just fly out to Ethiopia um, and and asked to demand to see their records and find out who it is. Um, but it looks as if federal authorities are beginning to pay attention. The FBI is actively investigating, according to a statement, uh, what happened in Colorado this week, and, and also the NSA, the National Security Agency. Um, are beginning to take an interest. And, you know, they say they're going to continue to work with their local state and federal law enforcement partners to gather, share, and act upon threat information as it comes to their attention. And really, the question remains how we're going to hold people to account. And really, you know, the, the real mystery, the, the real question here is what is the motive what is happening here? Because someone is either paying someone to do this or someone's just choosing to do it on their own accord, um, on a mass scale, targeted here in America and Canada and, um, you know, across the nation, really. what What is their end game in perpetrating these? Anyway, I thought we would just take a more in-depth view, and I felt this NPR article, which again came out in October of 2022, really did a great job of it. I'm going to put a link into it so you can read it for yourself and follow their links. Um, But, you know, I don't believe in coincidence, and I think this is all related in some way. And now it has happened here in our small mountain community of Estes Park. Well, we also, uh, this week... I had a lot going on now that I got that out of the way. Um, my, uh, my new narrative nonfiction book is, um, is now on the bookshelves all across the country. I went down to Fort Collins on Tuesday, the release day and, um, saw it on the shelves. The, uh, you can, you can buy it. Amazon's already having to place a second order uh, from my publisher because it's selling out quickly. Um, this weekend, I will be doing a local author's speaking engagement at the Estes Valley Library on Saturday. I believe it's from 1 to 4. Um, I will have a very limited number of books there that I can sign and whatnot. I think I'm going to offer them for 30 bucks. It's about the uh, the cover price and uh, I'll be happy to sign it for you if you want to come down and hear me talk for a little bit and um, get a hard copy, hardcover copy from me. I invite you to come on down. Um, I uh, I also sign contracts. I'm now officially a um, consultant with Georgetown Law's Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection which is a great organization I've been doing work with. But my my summer speaking engagement um, 
schedule is is becoming very, very busy very quickly. So that's kind of the updates there. I am going to be recording and releasing. And if you haven't listened to, if you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast systems, go check out the Colorado Switchblade. Um, I recommend you Google it because you can't just do like www.coloradoswitchblade.com. It's got to be like HTTP for colon forward slash coloradoswitchblade.com. So it's just easier because it's it's a it's it's a Substack thing. I don't know why exactly, but um, if you just Google Colorado Switchblade, you'll find the link and click on it. And um, I have been doing an audiobook version um, serialized of my first supernatural fiction title, Colorado's Chance, The Firewalker, and putting those out. I've put out the first several chapters for free. Um, I think I'll. you're going to have to pay for it at some point. Um, I may put out the next few batches of chapters for free still to to continue to generate interest um, in my fiction work. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Go to the Colorado Switchblade, and you can listen to it right there on the webpage on your phone. You can add the RSS feed, private RSS feed, to um, your podcast listener. But it's separate from the Colorado Switchblade podcast, so... That's why it may not come up in Apple Music just natively, so um, or Apple Podcasts, I mean. So check it out. You might like it. Um, and that's what I got going on this week. It's been busy. Uh, kind of kind of surreal to see your, your first book with your face on the cover um, at a Barnes & Noble. It's a new experience for me, but uh, one I hope to keep going. Um, man, I'm really making good progress on this speculative fiction book that I'm doing that's set about 20, 30 years in the future if things keep going to the worst case scenario. It's a a story of uh, two daughters and a father who um, are dealing with a fractured world and how we might get to a better place by just deciding to be better human beings. But it's kind of cyberpunk sci-fi in the beginning and it kind of transitions at times to almost a western as the characters navigate between um, the fractured states that now make up what was once the United States of America. So a uh, lot of interest from my agent, interest from my publisher. Um, that's the next one I'm going to get out there and then uh, start working on my next narrative nonfiction book. All right, folks. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, as always, Jason Van Tatenhove, and I'll talk with you again soon. Be kind to each other out there, folks.